the first statement I'm going to make is you cannot do any kind of compromise treatment if you don't know what the comprehensive treatment entails. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Producerati. I'm Jazz Galanti, and welcome to the second episode of Straight Pro. Today, we have a specialist orthodontist, Dr. Mandeep Gosal, following on from that last episode with the general dentist, Dr. Nick Simon, who does a lot of ortho. Let's get the specialist perspective in because what we're talking about is alignment only orthodontics, right? How does that sit with a specialist? What do they think? And more importantly, how can we serve you, the dentist listening to this, who wants to do more orthodontic cases, but you're having to accept quote unquote compromises, right? Compromises in orthodontics, I explained it a little bit in the last episode. It's like, imagine someone's got a large overjet and they got crowding, but you only treat the crowding, but you leave them with a large overjet. That is a compromised, that is potentially alignment only orthodontics, but is that the right thing to do? That's exactly what I had uh, Mandeep on today to speak about. Really saucy, really controversial, really cool topic. And I think um, Goss, as we call him, did a fantastic job today. I think you're in for an absolute treat. He's, he's, he's no stranger or he's not fearful of the, the beautiful controversy this poses. And I know you're gonna find this episode really entertaining. The protrusive dental pearl I want to share with you is to help improve your portrait photography, right? So if you're doing orthodontics, you're probably already taking portrait photos. Uh, I use my normal setup, my Canon body, my ring flash, uh, my lens, my macro lens. So I'm just using it but also for my portrait photography. Now, a tip that I learned from Dr. Alina Ruzanova, who's an Estonian dentist, and she creates content for Ripe Global, and she has this fantastic several hour anterior uh, dentistry series on Ripe Global, which I highly recommend you watch, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so you can click on it and, and find it uh, when you go to the protrusive.co.uk website. Um, the, what, the tip that she gave me, which really improved my portrait photography with a ring flash is the following. So without having to change my flash system, is instead of pointing the ring flash at the patient when you're taking the photo, you actually detach the ring flash and you point it to the ceiling. And that gives you a much softer lighting. Like just look at the photograph I'm showing you now on the screen. This is before I started using this trick. And now this is after I started doing this trick. Now the annoying thing now is the before and afters I'm getting um, of those patients who I saw before I changed the technique. It's annoying because the lighting's not consistent, but I think for me, this is the best way forward because now generally the portrait photos are getting are coming out much better, much nicer to see. So the trick is to detach your ring flash, point it up at the ceiling instead of pointing it straight at the patient. Now, if you're wondering what settings I'm using, I'm using f8.0 at ISO 800, uh, and that's what I'm using to to create my portrait photographs like the one you saw. So let's dive in. I don't want to waste your time because this is such a brilliant episode. Uh, hope you enjoy. I'm catching the outro. Dr. Mandeep Gosal, welcome to the Protrusion Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm really good, Jazz. Uh, I'm really good. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of your podcast, so you know it's an honor to be on here. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna really flip out. I've written down a few phrases that if you say them, I'm just gonna absolutely lose my shit. 
Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> no, that's fine. But I, I can't wait to, to know what the, these praises are. But honestly, I really appreciate uh, people, specialists. I mean, wow. You're, I mean, you're a specialist. I can't even fathom that you know specialists are listening to, to my podcast. Like, I you know I just from episode one, I just thought well, you know made it to help people transition to Singapore, and then it, it grew and it grew and it grew. And, and and honestly, it's an absolute honor that that you know great dentists or specialists like yourself uh, listen. So I really appreciate that. But with you, we're talking with a very and I really appreciate you coming on for this. A very controversial. Very saucy topic. Uh, so, you know, no one likes controversy when they're, you know, recording and stuff. So I really appreciate you agreeing. Uh, oh, no. Me... <laughs> what have I let myself in for? You're scaring me now. <laughs> no, I don't want to scare you, but I think it's, it's really it's good because it is a, a very uh, contentious subject. So, so, guys, we're talking about GDP ortho and we're talking about compromising. Right. Uh, and I'm going to let you tell your backstory to everyone in a minute, Goss. But compromising is like such a nasty word. Like, oh, you're compromising. You're you're giving second grade treatment. You're you're not doing a good thing. But just go on Instagram and look at all the GDPs that do ortho. Not all of them, but you know what I mean? Like before, before I did my ortho diploma, I'd look at these cases. But, oh, that looks great. Oh, that looks good. Beautiful smile. Oh, that looks great. Now that I've done my diploma, oh, still got a deep bite. Oh, didn't collect the overjet. Oh, the canines are half unit class two. Like it's completely changed the way I look at them, which is insane. So if I'm doing that, specialists must be, I don't know what you guys are biting, but you might be biting something off every time you see this. Uh, but tell me, <laughs> Goss, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your background and uh, where you work. Well, okay. So a bit about uh, me. I qualified in 2003 uh, from Sheffield. So, you know, a Sheffield University alumni. Um, yeah. I then worked as a GDP after my a brief stint in community um, uh, or for about seven years. So I worked as a GDP for seven years. Wow. I then, at that stage, um, we, uh, we just had our first daughter. Uh, and it's, I, and I, I know you're uh, you know, a fairly new father as well, but it makes you reflect on your career, what kind of father figure you want to be, you know, what kind of, what sort of things you want to inspire in your children. So I just thought, you know, I, I really always wanted to just do something, maybe specialize in something. And what I was finding was I was getting bored of single tooth dentistry, a bit like yourself, you know, thinking more sort of full mouth, uh, and it was the patients I was referring on to orthodontists and they were coming back the sort of outcomes they were getting, the sort of joy and the kind of this sort of stuff was changing their lives. And I thought, you know what, I would love to do that. Even though I had no experience, I had done no orthodontics myself. Oh, I wow. just felt that was my calling. I had done quite a lot of peds. So I did a lot of peds in community. I actually, then when I thought, you know what, orthodontist might be for me, I took up a teaching post in pediatrics at King's. Nice. Uh, so I was doing that, uh, traveling down from Nottingham to King's just to beef up my CV, but also get a bit more experience because, you know, I hadn't done the uh, a DF2 post, the hospital post or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, really. Everyone else had a good career progression, you know, but life's not like that for everybody else. You know, there's a lot of people, we leave dental school, we don't really know what we want to do. Uh, and you kind of find something, you fall into something naturally instead of having you know some people uh, year three of dental school will oh, i'm going to specialize in this or i'm going to go do max packs and that's great but I, that wasn't me uh so i felt like you know because i hadn't then 
really thought through my career. I thought I better just make up stuff and start teaching some pediatrics. And, uh, and I really enjoyed the teaching side of it. It was awesome. Uh, so I then applied to do orthodontics. I had to go through two years of applying to finally get on. It's very kind of cutthroat. Competitive. Mm. Very competitive. You know, it's hugely popular, um, you know, rightfully so. Uh, and the training's just absolutely awesome. Um, however, the only place I got was in London. So we had to move down to London, um, you know, and I... We were just talking about it yesterday with my wife, the sort of personal sacrifice you have to make to, as a family, not just me, you know, um, we had to come away. Well, both our families were here in the Midlands, you know, you have to go back down south in London, uh, you know, for three years. Um, but we carried on, you know, building our family as well because we were both in our 30s. You know, life doesn't stop just because you're on a specialty training program. Uh, so by the end, I started with one uh, child, and then when I took my MORTH exams, I had three. Wow! Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, and in fact, I sat my exams, and my our, our youngest daughter was uh, three weeks old. So, and she really got me through my exams because she wouldn't sleep at night, so I would have to hold her. <laughs> And I'd be revising. I'd have like you know profits textbook in one hand and her on the other arm. So I literally didn't sleep for weeks. Uh, but it hugely helped me because then you know I sat my MORTH exams uh, and I ended up winning the gold medal. Oh, well done! That, I mean, I, lo- I love that story and also the personal sacrifices that you made. No one talks about that. That, that they, they are so real. I mean, I recently recorded. It's not published yet with a, a, a refugee, a Syrian refugee that came to the UK as a you know dentist in Syria, uh, and then he just had the ORE exam. And just listening about the sacrifice he has to make uh, to to be able to become a dentist in the UK, and then all you know yourself, a specialist, um, having to relocate and stuff. It, it completely throws a spanner in the works in terms of finances, living situation, uh, family life. Like, wow, going from one kid to three kid. And also what we can learn from your story is that so many of my friends who became orthodontists, they did the very much a traditional route. They qualify, uh, max facts, peds post. Next year they, they applied and, and they got in or whatever, or the year after they got in. So that's the traditional uh, route you see a lot nowadays. Uh, but, you know, there's something in it for all of the, the, the people listening today who maybe are five years, maybe even 10 years qualified. One of my buddies, um, Abs Almugi in Sheffield. Hey, you might know Abs. He might have qualified same year as you. We did, yeah. Me, Abs, Drew, we were all in the same year. What a legendary year. I mean, he's now a restorative. <laughs> I think he by now he might be a restorative specialist now. So 11 years as a GDP, and then he um, did his registrar training in restorative. So it's, it's never too late. And he's got such a long career. Right. So, uh, I mean, any regrets? No, not a single one. Not a single one. Um, you know, all the way through, maybe early on, if you if you spoke to me a few months after finishing and we had moved back to Nottingham, we, we had no money, I had no job, I had no connections. Uh, and I was literally working, you know, a few afternoons here and there. I probably would have said, oh my God, I regret this. What have I done? Uh, but now, you know, seven years removed after becoming a specialist then yeah none zero uh, amazing and the uh, gold medal amazing shows your work ethic uh gold medal is like given to the person who gets like the the, the biggest uh, the best results right 
Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, uh, Mo Almuzian is another gold medal winner. So, you know, uh, only I'll gold make... medalists, only gold medalists allowed on the podcast, guys. All right. Only gold. That's it. Make that a rule. Make that a rule. Oh, uh, yeah, fantastic. So it's an honor to be, you know, spoken about in the same sort of breath as Mo. I think he's he's pretty special. So, yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy. So, Mo, if you're listening to this, I doubt you're such a busy guy. But uh, um, it's, it's, it's great to have people like you on. And so let, let, let's let's dive in, um, Goss, and talk about compromising in orthodontics, GDP orthodontics. And, and one thing I, uh, before we get into the meat of it is you spoke that between 2003 and 2010, you know, as a GDP, you didn't do much orthodontics. Now, I'm going to pose a hypothetical scenario to you. Do you know how many of your GDP friends and colleagues were doing orthodontics between those years? And if you look at it now in the last seven years, maybe how many GDPs are doing orthodontics? There must be a big difference. Do you think that in a parallel universe, if had you qualified some years later, that maybe you'd be going down the GDP orthodontic route? It's funny, isn't it? Because I've, I think I have posed that question to myself. Um, you know, I've kind of looked at it and thought, when I qualified, Jazz, you know, there wasn't, in, there wasn't much in the way of courses. There wasn't, you know, and if there were, well, how do you find out about those things? There was no social media. There was no, you didn't have a network of dentists like you do now with tubules and all sorts of things, you know, so it was hard to tap into things. So now I think it's so much easier, which is great. Yeah. If you want to build your skills in a certain thing, you can do it. You don't have to make the huge sacrifices and go sort of specialize as such. Um, so would I have done sort of things differently? Maybe I would have dipped my toe into orthodontics first. Yeah. So maybe I would have, you know, under mentorship or, you know, a certificate or diploma program, um, you know, took on a good mentor, learned the sort of basics. And then if I liked it, then gone on to do it. I think financially that would have been better. Mm. Um, location wise, obviously, you know, you just sort of stay where you are and you can incorporate into your own practice. Um, but I definitely don't regret it. And in terms of the part you questioned about GDPs doing orthodontics then and how many are doing it now, it's exponential. It's completely different, Jazz. Like, uh, it wasn't rare at that time. Uh, definitely not. There was loads of people doing it. Uh, but it's, it's huge now. And it's, you know, and it's not necessarily driven by GDPs wanting to do it. I think even back then, you know, GDPs wanted to. It's, uh, it's more accessible now, maybe wrongly or rightly driven commercially, you know, driven by companies. So, you know, Invisalign, a uh, huge uh, name. There's other sort of clear aligner uh, companies out there who are, you know, pumping in a lot of money. Um, I think Invisalign uh, um advertising direct to the consumer yeah so they are mm -hmm. directing uh, and that's they are so unique in that way you know you don't get uh colza um you know uh, advertising composites to patients right no they target the dentist uh, so they are this is a quality product you need to be offering this to your patients for xyz invisalign or just literally go straight to the consumer uh, and so the consumer is coming to you asking for Invisalign, yeah, and that's their code for give me straight teeth. But mm -hmm. you know, that's the sort of the word, really. So that's really changed things. Uh, but also, you know, there's I think there's not a lot of regulation around companies. Yeah. So anyone I today between us, we could develop, you know, something it's got brackets and wires, you know, uh, 
fast braces got three wings traditionally we have four wings the speed has two wings well uh, why don't we do five wings yeah so let's do five <laughs> wings because no one's done that yet so we'll call it the five wing five month brace you know something like that we could just do anything if it's anything like, like five guys it's going to be awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah exactly you know so um, i mean the one yeah. thing you haven't mentioned that i've been thinking is uh the attitudes and i hope you don't take offense or anyone any orthodontist or bos take offense by this but the attitudes of orthodontists and specialist orthodontist societies have become more tolerant and what I mean is from, from following debates over the years, um, uh, GDP, orthodontics versus specialists, before it was very much a, a war, I, I felt. I mean, maybe you uh, felt it as well. But as a GDP, just watching standing by, it's like, hey, these guys are at each other's throats. There was publications and newspapers, you may remember, uh, all this sort of <laughs> saga and whatnot. But now, uh, whether the, you guys want it or not, and I don't mean it in, in that way, um, you guys have become more tolerant of that. Hey, you know what? They got, these guys are going to do orthodontics. Let's just, now let's become friends and let's help them out. And then when they need to refer, we're here for them. Do you think that has come into it? You know, you. this is what I love about you, Jazz. You're a very perceptive kind of guy. You, you know, you've hit the nail on the head in many ways, you know, a bit of a history about sort of orthodontists versus GDPs, you know, under the, the old fee per item program, especially in the 80s, um, there was a lot of GDPs doing orthodontics, mainly with removable appliances. Yeah. Um, so you would probably now see your own patients in their 50s, 60s, um, maybe even 40s who would come in, uh, they'd have four premolars missing uh yet you know their teeth are hugely crashed in and they've got massive deep bites yeah if you chat to them oh have you had orthodontics before oh yeah i as a teenager I had some teeth out and i don't but i had a removable brace yeah hear it all the time yeah so you can hear you hear that all the time right um so that and the history of that is it was a fee per item system and in the 80s, the, the amount of money you got for removable appliances was huge. Yeah, you got a huge amount of money. So it was very profitable to do. And this could probably even span into the 90s. All right. But then so what you had is GDPs without much training putting in removable appliances. Um, yet there was no way of monitoring um, quality. Yeah. So then what happened was, you know, a group of specialists um, in Cardiff, Manchester, developed the Clusal Index, like a PAR index mm, yeah, yeah. to measure quality. So then they looked at uh, past treatments uh, and graded them and then actually found, look, we're doing X uh, percentage of removable appliances uh, and the outcomes are absolutely rubbish. And in many cases, going the opposite way, they're going from, you know, good to bad. Yeah. Uh, because people are just doing awful treatment. So this then led this kind of loggerhead sort of, you know, moment where you had orthodontists going, hang on, this shouldn't be right. Um, so that's really a bit of the sort of history. Yeah. So they then had to, I think there was a court, it went to court or something. There was some sort of thing where they had to then put a stop on this kind of re remuneration for removable um uh, orthodontics on the NHS. So, um, so that's a, just the brief history. So obviously, you know, established orthodontists lived in that time. Uh, so they associate the GDP orthodontics with just this poor outcome, removable appliances and, 
this, that, and the other. I think now fast forward to 2020, yeah? So now if we think about things, uh, uh, and GDP, we're doing a lot more fixed appliances, yeah? Um, GDP's now, for me, it's the orthodontics they're doing is privately driven. Yeah, there's no more kind of, there's not a lot of orthodontics done by GDPs on the NHS. Uh, so, you know, if you've got patients now paying for treatment, they want a great outcome. Yeah. So it's kind of almost this kind of circle where the outcome's got to be good. So the quality's got to be good. So now the, the pressure's now on the GDP to go, right, is this within my scope of practice? Uh, how do I now teach myself how to do this? How do I teach myself how to do that? So I think, you know, and that's the modern way of sort of thinking. So I think things have evolved. I, you know, the old guard is now moved on. You know, it's the new young guard moving in. And I think we've all realized that actually with all these companies now coming in, you know, people like huge when I sort of did it, you know, and they're. For me, I'm hopefully they're almost disappearing, yeah. Because this was, um, you know, I am going to put it out there, yeah. So you put me on; it was going to be controversial. And Absolutely. I'll tell you, like, look at no, tell it, jazz. The people doing ten years ago are now promoting other sort of product. They're not doing anymore. Ask yourself why, yeah, because mm. it's awful, yeah. Because there is no, there is because within that it is just a lab-driven, commercially-driven system. Yeah. Uh, and you take impressions of anything or anyone, you take impressions of your dog tomorrow. You know, your Punjabi, you probably haven't got a dog, um, <laughs> you know, but if you you take impression of your dog and you send it to that lab, they're going to fit it with braces. Yeah. Because there's no there's no one overseeing it. There's no mentorship there. You know, so so really, you know, so those days are gone. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. I think that was such a, a diplomatic answer, but then it only came to the end. Uh, I, I love that you said that. I love everything you said. And I love it. It's from the heart and I, and I appreciate that. But um, I will probably have to get my producer, John. Can you put beep next to the company name? I don't want Patricia Dendler podcast to get sued. Uh, but I love it, you know, and, and for those in our, in our close circle, you can ask me which orthodontic system he was referring to. I'll tell you, but uh, so that uh, we don't get into trouble here, Goss, I'm probably going to beep that one out. Uh, but hey, look, all these terms, right? Like STO, short-term orthodontics, I quite like the term AAO, alignment, uh, AOO, alignment only orthodontics. Uh, call it what you like. Different brands out there. CFAST, Six Month Smiles. Uh, um, w w what's Prem's ones called? Um, quick Straight Teeth. Quick Straight Teeth. Uh, and all so many around the world, so many of these uh, systems. What do you think, Goss, about GDPs and alignment only orthodontics? As a, as a sweeping statement, what's your feeling as a specialist about that? Firstly, I think there's too many terms, yeah? So 
listeners. Uh, I know you like anterior alignment orthodontics, yeah? That's fine. Hopefully, I'm going to change your mind in a few minutes, yeah? But then you've got cosmetic orthodontics. You even a few years ago had the European Society of Aesthetic Orthodontics. Mm. Now, what the hell is that? Yeah, Of course. Well, you know, because orthodontics is it's aesthetic. So why do we need another kind of like, so it's all this, oh, uh, and also if we as clinicians find it confusing, imagine if you're a patient, yeah? So you go in and you see someone and you're like, okay, I've seen a specialist and he's told me I need X, Y, Z. I've now gone and seen this other guy uh, and he said uh, he does cosmetic orthodontics. Awesome, because that's what I want. I want a cosmetic <laughs> orthodontics. This guy obviously knows so much more than this person. So for me, and I always say it on Facebook, is if someone like brings up these terms, orthodontics is just orthodontics. Yeah, that's it. So if you've, what you've done, if you have, if you've done, we'll come on to what pure uh, anterior alignment orthodontics is. But if you believe you've done it for a patient, well, you've what you've done is you've gone through, right, these are my goals. These are the patient's goals. Um, for the health of this mouth, I need to do X, Y, and Z for, you know, to produce a, uh, you know, a comprehensive sort of smile makeover. I need to do X, Y, Z. You've then done that treatment. If within that treatment, all you've done is align the front teeth, then, you know, so be it, you, you know, but why call it something else? It's orthodontics should just be orthodontics. Because if we just call it orthodontics, then I think it empowers people to then have more knowledge to sort of respect certain things um, and do things within their scope of practice. I think as soon as you start saying, you know, oh, uh, alignment only orthodontics uh, cosmetic orthodontics or then people start throwing it well it's yeah, i'm gonna do this quick sto system. i mean uh, uh, you know six months for example let's name an example like it's in the name right and and you know there's so many issues yeah. uh, with that uh you believe very strongly that it should just be called orthodontics and i, and I appreciate that but there is a difference between uh like what six months miles what these uh, anterior alignment orthodontics the, the aims of what they're trying to achieve and what a specialist orthodontist is trying to achieve most of the time, not all the time, we know that, uh, in terms of a comprehensive result. So for those listening and they're like, what do you what do you mean comprehensive? What do you mean compromise? What is a compromise? I don't get it because not everyone knows that. Just explain, in your terms, what is comprehensive orthodontics and what we might see nowadays, even if you don't know you're doing it, is compromised orthodontics, which sounds terrible. But uh, please, in, in, what, what do you think that is? Jazz, if... If it was easy to explain, we would know the explanation already, right? There'd be a definition out there that we'd all know uh, and would all sort of respect. So, and it's the same question. And I'll tell you, all my delegates ask the same. Normally, sort of a few months in, they always, they always uh, turn around and say, oh, could you explain like when we do compromise treatment and when we do comprehensive treatment? And it's a real head scratcher because it's like, you know, every patient is their own beast, you know. So if you just kind of, you know, if you learn how to do things properly, yeah, then you can uh, uh, you can also appreciate the downsides of having to achieve certain things. Um, and then only then can you go through that with a patient and decide what sort of treatment that patient needs all right so let me try to sort of break this down a little bit i the first statement i'm going to make is you 
cannot do any kind of compromise treatment if you don't know what the comprehensive treatment entails. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah? Let me give you an example is let's think about single tooth dentistry. So let's think about extraction versus RCT. Yeah. So you've got a molar tooth, you know, your options, your compromise option could be, well, let me take this molar out. I'm going to leave a space. The upper can over erupt. The teeth adjacent can, you know, tip inwards. Obviously, you're going to lose a tooth uh, or let's do something to try to save it. You know, let's or let's do an implant. If you didn't know about those options, then how can you consent someone or how can you actually take that tooth out if you don't know what the alternative options are? Yeah. So, you know, let's pretend someone erased RCT out of your mind and now all you were doing was extracting because that's all you knew. Then you're not doing the right thing for that patient. So I would say no one should be doing compromised treatment if they do not know what the comprehensive treatment entails. So, you know, people, so, you know, just to explain what compromised treatment would be loosely, yeah, like let's just sort of define it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say, let's define compromised treatment as um, orthodontic treatment where you are accepting either a com compromised occlusion, yeah, compromised uh, aesthetics, yeah, or compromised health, yeah? So okay. Support. So occlusion, yeah? So uh, lack of interdigitation, um, no overbite um, reduction, yeah? So you're, you are compromising because you are accepting an increased overbite. Your exception. What's, what's wrong with an increased overbite? Let's let, let, let's go I into. Let's go here. I know. I know. I told you before. I'm going to go here. So look, if you, you're going to try and achieve two millimeters of a uh, overjet, two millimeters of overbite, that's your like. Uh, uh, that's what the textbook says. What if you? What if I finish a, a patient with a five millimeter overbite, and so many of my patients have uh, a five millimeter overbite? Let's say, or let's say percentages have a, a, a fifty-five percent overbite, uh, and they're happy, their their teeth are aligned or whatever. And these are just non-orthodontic, just normal patients. Um, why do we? Why is it important for it to be classed as not a compromise and and head towards more to that comprehensive category, if you like that? you don't finish with a more than 50% overbite. What is the rationale behind that? The rationale here would be, I would say, threefold. Yeah. So one, let's think about envelope of movement. Yeah. So if you've got increased overbite, that you've now got this um, anterior interference, you know, so it completely you've changed, especially if that person didn't have an increased overbite or didn't have any anterior contact. And now you, you know, without mm. because you've not decreased the overbite, you have now uh, given them some anterior interference. Right. So you actually you've done that thing we were talking about in the 80s where you've gone from healthy to unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, because you've not recognized that I need to do that. Yeah. So that's one. Um, then the other thing would be, uh, you know, if you are aligning the top teeth, we always plan for retention. Yeah. So now for me, uh, ideal retention in the upper arch would be fixed retention and a removable retainer. Yeah. Now without overbite reduction, where is that fixed retainer going to go? Yeah. 
So, so often people approach me going, oh, I'm having trouble putting a fixed retainer on in the upper, um, you know, the patient is biting on it or there's no room for it or it's come off or, you know, or some people go, oh, I don't believe in fixed retainers only. And you think, yeah, the only reason you don't believe in them is because, you know, <laughs> you've never any no space for it. <laughs> yeah, you've not left the space for it. So for me, like... That is the crux of it. So if we're talking about adult orthodontics, elastic with adults, uh, you know, overbite reduction is an absolute must for a fixed retainer. Yeah? An absolute must. Uh, and it's the it's probably the one thing I always look for is an overbite, because if you're leaving an increased overbite at the end, you're kind of encouraging tooth wear. You're, that fixed retainer is not going to last. Um, you know, the envelope of movement, you know, is all over the place. So that's the biggie. So okay. I know, appreciate if you, that. If you yeah, if you really want to annoy an orthodontist, just send them before and afters with increased overbites that would just so really that, that, that's when you go on instagram and you're not liking these posts with the beautifully lined teeth but, but deep overbites because because after after yeah. after you know, after studying some orthodontics i can't stop noticing that and uh, and i look back at my old cases i'm like oh my goodness uh not, not that <laughs> not but not that i am correcting all these uh, overbites to the degree that you are and i'm being very honest here i uh, uh, and I, I love what you said earlier that and you really justified me doing my diploma, if you like, and, and doing further education. Because I, I did have this feeling that, hey, was it really necessary to do, spend money and spend time and spend uh, hours studying when a lot of my colleagues uh, have no formal uh, education orthodontics and, they, and they're doing and they're loving it and they're doing great orthodontics and stuff. Uh, compromise cases, fair enough, GDP uh, orthodontics, uh, and, and they're doing great. And I thought, hey, was this necessary? But then I think exactly what you said that now i feel so much more confident doing an orthodontic assessment and i don't feel the need in in the majority of the cases i see now to have to refer to the specialist for them to hear from the specialist what the compromise uh, what, the, what the comprehensive option is because i feel totally yeah. confident to say okay if you want the the, the the comprehensive it will take two and a half years these are our aims okay but here are some things that we could compromise and and maybe you're cringing as i'm saying this uh, and i do uh, and patients will always Pick the easier, quicker route, right? So this is the toughie. This is the real tough thing about orthodontics, right? Patients, whether they know what's good for them or not, but so often they'll say, hey, what, what looks good? What's easier? One year yeah. versus two years? Yeah. Extraction yeah, versus yeah. no extraction? So it's tough. It's such a tough one to consent, even as someone who, who has further education in orthodontics. It's just a minefield, isn't it? It is, it is. But, uh, you, you know, there's two... For me, look, there's, there's three types of consent, right? With a patient like that, there's, you know... Proper consent procedure, and I'll come to what that should be. Yeah, but then there's the other two types of consent that happen in in most GDP orthodontics, jazz. So maybe this be a bit controversial. Yeah, go for it. There's the sort of blind leading the blind consent. Yeah, so I'm the GDP. I have no idea what the comprehensive plan would be here. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to correct this uh, centerline shift. Um, or overbite. So I'm just going to tell them, look, I can refer you to a specialist. It's going to take two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years seems to be that magic kind of number, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah. I don't have many adults in two and a half years worth of treatment. Yeah. Probably about 10%. Yeah. So I don't know where who came up with that number, <laughs> but, you know, it's, that's the one that we keep finding because it 
maybe someone did some sort of test on the public and thought that's if you want to put them off orthodontics, say two and a half years. Not not two, but two, the extra half makes two. a difference. That extra half kills it, right? Because <laughs> if you say two, that's like they think, oh, that's doable because they kind of that's just two Christmases. That's all right. Two and a half is like whoa, that's three summers, man. That's two Christmases, three summers. Forget about it. Yeah. So there's that the blind leading the blind consent then. And really, you know, that is not a proper consent procedure, yeah, because you have just thrown in something there. And I'll tell you, I was on a course recently, and the guy standing on, well-known, you know, and I have a lot of respect for him, but he, you know, he was saying that, you know, and the course was all about selling more Invisalign, basically, yeah. Um, so, and he was saying, obviously, look, you've got to consent your patients properly, and I tell all my patients that if they want to achieve the gold standard treatment, they should have surgery. Now, that is excessive. I was like, whoa. Wow. Like, Even really? I, yeah, you saw me. I raised my eyebrow. Like, what? <laughs> like, really? Every single, and, and, and then he said proudly, I've not had a single patient take me up on it. I'm like, because none of them <laughs> need it. <laughs> you know, so you can't just throw things in there. Like that is just, you know, that's the blind leading the blind. You don't, if you don't know what the comprehensive plan is, yeah, you cannot consent for it. Uh, so your consent is for me invalid. Yeah. And putting in the notes, I offered them a referral to a specialist, you know, actually, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It means zero. That is yeah, gold. Because... That is gold right there, Goss. Because, because, yeah, that is uh, uh, wow. That is really powerful. What you said there. So, because uh, this is how lots of GDPs operate when we do orthodontics, and, uh, and yeah. we say oh, uh, in the notes, referral offered to specialist, patient declined, uh, didn't fancy the two and a half years. A patient offered uh, six months of treatment to align the front teeth. Patient happy. Uh, that's that's their yeah. consent over. Because then, then the GDP feels safe. That hey, you know what? I offered. I've done my duty. <laughs> I've done my due diligence. I've offered. Right. So that is a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah, no, completely right. And now let me bring to the let me bring you to the other type of consent. Yeah, the other type of consent is even more dangerous. Yeah, is a loaded consent procedure. Yeah, now a loaded consent procedure is where you you kind of have an interest in one procedure because you can do it. Yeah, and you are now consenting a patient. Again, you probably don't know what the current comprehensive plan is. But what are you going to do in that consent? Are you, half of you is now this salesperson, right? Because you've got Invisalign on your back. They're saying, look, go platinum, go platinum. <laughs> like, come on, you go platinum. You need another like 10 patients this quarter. Go, 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 go. Yeah. So literally you are now in a loaded situation where you've got this undue pressure from a company or, you know, other sort of financial pressures. Um or just lack of knowledge of anything else, right? But you can do something, yeah? So you are now more dangerous because all of a sudden you know how to do something, you know how to use a system. Uh, so and you to make it tangible, you said it already. So someone who can only offer clear line of treatment and they're doing it, uh, yeah. any company, whatever, uh, but they've never done fixed appliances, MBT prescription brackets, that sort of stuff, and, and, and they uh, can only offer, albeit to uh, uh, an nth degree, but only offer one system, which may not be able to achieve the ideal aims. Like for example, we all know it's possible, but we all know it's more difficult to correct deep overbites uh, with uh, clear aligned systems, right? So so yeah. you're saying the situation where the GDP 
is very fluent in, in one language, one system, but because they can't do the other systems, they're, they're, they're putting all on, 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 on the one system. Is that what you mean? Exactly right. Yeah, because I, you know, you're now the GDP, you only know how to use this. So you're now going to talk about, oh, yeah, uh, we're going to do this compromise and we're not going to be able to correct this, but we're going to do this really well. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. Um, you know, you kind of it's a loaded consent procedure because what is the patient going to choose? They're going to choose whatever option you give them. So you you've really got to put the interest of the patient in front of you. Um, you know, and that's number one in our GDC sort of, you know, and also our ethical code, right? Yeah. So if for me, I the way I approach things now, I don't do any uh, pre-surgical or surgical orthodontics. Yeah. So I don't do any of that. Um, I also do very little of just restorative treatment. Yeah. I do a lot of post-orthodontic restorative treatment. So now when a patient comes into my chair uh, and they've got spacing, but, you know, a nice smile um, and yet the teeth are undersized. So I'm like the spacing is due to, you know, microdonture. So really this patient really needs, um, you know, either, you know, composite buildups of those spaces or, you know, other treatment apart from orthodontics. Um, I would then go through my consent after taking records and measurements, I would go through my consent procedure and I, my consent would be, look, you know, to get a really good smile and an excellent result, you can have this done. So let's say that's restorative treatment only, um, or, you know, you can have a little bit of pre restorative alignment and then some, uh, you know, restorative treatment if, if that made it easier and give you a better result. However, you're then going to need, uh, you know, retention, lifelong retention. So, you know, uh, a compromise to that would be, uh, you know, accept that this tooth might be slightly larger than this tooth and this, this and this. And maybe you'll plan it digitally and all that sort of stuff. And then the patient says to me, and I have loads of these where they go, yep, that's the one for me. That's what I want to do. I then say, excellent. Let me send you back to your dentist. Let me send you to this person. Yeah. I don't tell them beforehand that I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I it's these are your uh, options. This is the benefit of this. This is the benefit of that. What do you think? So and I think we should approach our orthodontic patients in exactly the same way. Yeah, we should know what the comprehensive plan is. We should present it in a way where we give all the benefits um, health wise. We give a realistic uh, time uh, that that can be achieved. Yeah. So maybe as a profession, we should just say, look, let's get rid of this two and a half and start saying 18 months to two years. <laughs> yeah? um, we then consent the patient without them knowing that we're going to have to refer them out for them to have one procedure and not the other. Yes. Yeah? So, and it's the same with surgery in my practice. I would then say, look, you know, you, you could have this done, but the outcome is going to be you know, X, Y, Z. It's going to be exponentially better. You know, you've come in complaining of this. However, I think you don't like your smile because, you know, your jaw is too far forward or you're too far backwards. So I really think this is going to be better for you rather than just aligning this, that and the other. And if they go for it, great. I then break it to them that brilliant. I'm going to now have to refer you on to hospital. Yeah. So, you know, that's how consent should be done. You know, so the loaded consent procedure is just wrong. You know, it's. It's hard to get out of that habit, especially when we've become a bit too salesy. It's not a dirty word. Selling's not a dirty word. 
you know, but there's too much focus now. If you look at Instagram or you just flick through your dentistry magazine, you know, it's all about, um, you know, how to get more clear aligner patients, how to get more fixed appliance treatment. Yeah. If I ran a course tomorrow about, you know, um, hundred patients a year, I said, you know, how to get hundred clear aligner patients a year, um, I tell you, you know, I'd have, I'd sell out in 10 minutes. Yeah. If I decide to run a course on, right, let's spend 18 months uh, learning how to, uh, you know, uh, do fixed appliances and clear aligner treatment and how to treatment plan uh, to a certain degree, you know, people aren't going to come rushing. Yeah. So, you know, it's people want, as a profession, all of a sudden, we want quick, fast we want to be able to offer the best to our uh, patients but in a real kind of efficient route yeah we want to do it as quickly as possible so in a way it used to be our patients who were you know um wanting things uh, eagerly and fast and but now as a profession we've done it and i tell you be mm. careful what you wish for right be careful what you wish for because if you are then going actually i can get you know this many patients i can do it without any training I can do it, hang on a minute, I can now do it contactless, yeah, you know, <laughs> the whole COVID thing has taught me is, yeah, I can do video consultation, I could do it over photos, I can even deliver the aligners straight from Invisalign to you, uh, oh, we'll use this monitoring system, so you just do it on the phone, oh, hang on a minute, oh, there's someone's bought in a, a attachmentless aligner, guys, guys, we've got an attachmentless aligner, come on, let's get on board, let's do this. <laughs> What have you just created there? You've just created Smile Direct Club. Absolutely, I've thought about that. You're you're totally right. I mean, all these uh, hands-off systems. What's the difference between us and Direct Smile Club? Nothing. I think was that called? <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, how many orthodontists in this country are sitting around going, "Oh, Smile Direct Club, what a joke." We're not because I'm not losing any patients to them. Yeah, the GDP is. So a lot of orthodontists. Let me be controversial again. You know. Um, are just sitting back laughing their asses off, yeah? Because, like, you know, because they were in the same position 10 years ago. GDP orthodontics went whoosh, you know, STO, oh, alignment only, this, that, and the other. And they were like, whoa, like, without, I've just spent three years, man. I've just, like, I've had to have, I've had two kids in a, a, a you know, a bed sit in Wimbledon, you know, um, and I've been studying hard, like, you know, no sleep. And now you, these people can offer X, Y, and Z. And they're bragging about, oh, I've done 100 patients. I've done this many patients. Or, you know, you'll get someone on Facebook going, oh, I've got like so many uh, clear aligner patients now. I'm thinking about just quitting dentistry and just doing clear aligners. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, you're looking like, oh, do you think it's a good idea, guys? Like, you know, it's just like, come on, like, you're just random. So, we're sitting back and just laughing our asses off now because now it's the dentist <laughs> all of a sudden going, oh, but how how can they uh, provide these clear aligners to patients without any, like, no dentist overseeing it? It's like, come I on. never thought about that. It's so true because the, what, what, what the orthodontist must have been looking and feeling when GDP uh, orthodontics boom, it's, it's, it's amazing that GDPs can now look at... Uh, direct to home orthodontics and thinking in the same way i mean that's that's, that's really fascinating uh wow that, that was awesome I, I love that controversy there i'm gonna really uh, pick your brain now and say look people from listening to this 
will not suddenly stop doing compromise treatments because that's a daily, uh, it is, it's daily GDP orthodontics. I'm my first put, put my hand up and say, uh, we, we do it all the time. And we, you know, the evidence is on social media, right? So no one's gonna suddenly stop, but maybe after listening to you, uh, Goss, today, we could be a bit more reflective, right? And maybe take yeah. a step back and, and identify the need for education where we feel we need to. And I love your three types of consent. That, that is gold, right, right there. So I really thank you for sharing that with us. But so we can leave now as a reflective practitioner, but also go away with some really tangible gems here is, can you think of one or maybe two scenarios, maybe you have loads, I don't know, where perhaps the GDP should, you might even help someone really, really you know, a lot by telling them these are a couple of situations where you definitely should not compromise. In, in, in this case or that kind of case, because this will really save your butt if you refer or if you yourself choose to arm yourself with knowledge and treat this type of case comprehensively. So yeah, I think everyone's after gems, right? Everyone's after like, right, you know, what case, you know, don't I compromise? What should I compromise? For me, you know, orthodontics operates in the fourth dimension. Yeah. Is, and what I mean by that, it's one of the only treatments you can do to a patient whereby you are making an adjustment. You are not going to see the benefits or the, you know, uh, the outcome of that adjustment for for six weeks. Long yeah? game. And when they come in. Yeah. So it's a long game. Right. So then they come in and then you see. So if if you don't know what it's going to look like in six weeks, then, you know, there's something wrong because then how can you communicate that with the patient? So for me, the case is I would always have a plan B. So now, do you think I don't do any compromise treatment? Yeah. If you think orthodontists oh, do, yeah, don't do I mean, any Mo, Mo taught me on the, you know, Mo, Mo taught me and, you know, I know that specialists uh, need to compromise uh, now and again. Uh, and you know, sometimes just patients opt for, for, for that they, they they sometimes the patients who want it and when it's safe to do so you guys oblige right yeah exactly so you know it's like a pa patient-centered treatment yeah this is an elective treatment the patient's in charge you know they're not gonna no one dies of you know malaligned teeth or not having <laughs> class one and molars or anything like that so you know so let me empower you guys a little bit yeah i'll give you a little bit yeah thank you um, yeah <laughs> But the way I would sort of think about it, you've got to think about treatment like a dartboard. So, and this is how I do it in my head. Um, so, how, you know, when you're teaching something, you've got to break down what you do in, in a pro, into protocols and a system. Yeah. So the way I broke it down for me is I look at it as a dartboard. Yeah. So your comprehensive outcome is the bullseye. Yeah, that's the bullseye. Yeah, to get a, to get things in that bullseye, you need you know your overjet uh, down to about two to three millimeters, overbite reduction, class one molars. You need the teeth, uh, the correct inclination. Uh, you need you know midline interdigitation, midline correct, nice smile arc, good tooth show on smiling, teeth um, of the correct shape, color. Yeah good um you know connector lengths good embrasures um you know so when i think about um you know a comprehensive assessment and outcomes i'm not just thinking about orthodontics you've got to think about the color you've got to think about shape of teeth the face you've got to think about the face yeah so you know i you always talk about 
you know, going from single tooth to uh, full mouth dentistry. Well, what about full face dentistry? Yeah, orthodontics is full face dentistry. Yeah, it's uh, for me, it's the holistic and analog grandfather of uh, smile design. Yeah, you know, so if we think of it as a bullseye, those are all your outcomes. So you've got to then plot where the patient is with regard to the bullseye. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, what is their tooth show on smiling? Yeah. If it's if you can only see two millimeters, well, then they're really far from your bullseye. Yeah. Because you want about 100 uh, percent tooth show with a millimeter of ginger beef. So the, the further they were away from the bullseye, you plot it. Yeah. You go right into digitation, plot it overbite, plot it. Yeah. At the end of that treatment, you would then know, OK, they've got you know, my 10 features and none of them are in the bullseye, then you know this is a, com whatever you do, you're going to compromise. So you've got to pick the worst feature um, and try to get that as close to the bullseye as possible, yeah? If you can get it in the bullseye, and then all the other ones, you've got to get them close to the bullseye, yeah? So you've got to, so even compromise treatment should be assessed comprehensively, yeah? Uh, and, you know, it's the outcome that should be a compromise, not your treatment mindset. Yeah, your treatment mindset should be comprehensive. You should mm. be comprehensively at everything. And loads of people, are, you know, because the word compromise I, is encourages lazy orthodontics. Yeah, it encourages you know poor outcomes. So I don't like the word compromise saying, oh, this is compromised orthodontics or, you know, because don't set out to do compromised orthodontics because even a compromised outcome is amazing, yeah, and should be approached comprehensively. Sometimes yeah. it's the most patient-centered and I'm, I'm being very controversial here. I'm not saying orthodontists aren't patient-centered at all, but sometimes that's a perception that GDPs have that, hey, you know what, the orthodontists, they want to get everything, you know, class one and whatnot, but really, we, us GDPs, we're giving the patient the smile they want in a time frame that's realistic to them. That's, a, a, a theory that GD, or well not a theory, a viewpoint that uh, G GDPs have. But I think you, orthodontists would argue that, hey, the most patient-centered is the orthodontist because they are doing everything by the book to get them the long-term stability, for example. We don't talk about stability enough, right? By getting the overbite correct helps with that as well. Exactly. All, all, all these yeah. things. So, you know, I think it's such a, it's such a fascinating debate. And I love your dartboard analogy. Yeah, yeah, look, and then, uh, you know, that's it. So you plot all those things. Now, in some people the size of your bullseye is tiny, yeah? Because they've got a skeletal deficiency, yeah? They've had previous extractions. They might have perio, you know, stable, but, you know, uh, history of periodontal disease, yeah? Um, you know, and they might not have the finances, yeah? So that every, with all those factors that the bullseye is tiny, what are your chances of hitting that bullseye, you know, near enough zero, yeah? So those are your compromise cases yeah is you know i've got a skeletal to you know patient doesn't want surgery or you know they've had previous extractions so i'm left with this half unit uh, class two molars you know further extractions are just now going to crash the facial profile or increase la labial face uh, labial uh, nasolabial angle you know, um, so those are the cases where you think, actually, you know, my outcome, your assessment should be uh, comprehensive. Your outcome, you're compromising on a few of those points that you plotted in your head. 
Um, but the rest you try to, you know, correct. Now, in terms of orthodontists, you know, not being patient centered or, you know, too focused on this, that and the other, it's a bit like, you know, in the matrix, right? You get the option of a blue pill or the red pill. Is that right? Was it blue and red? And he take and Neo takes blue, right? I, I need to rewatch this film with my twelve-year-old, but he <laughs> takes the blue. Yeah, so he takes I'm not the helping blue you because and... uh, it's one of my secrets. I haven't seen the Matrix, so there we are. Oh you didn't hear it from god, me. No. <laughs> oh my god! This is painful. This is painful. I'm never going to listen to you again. Anyway, you've got to watch the Matrix. Yeah. So anyway, so I'll tell you the story. Right? I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm just about the pills. I know. I know about the pills because there's so many memes about it. You know, like which pill do you choose? Yeah, exactly. Different paths. So he takes a blue pill, but that, the key is, you know, he gets warned. Yeah, he's warned. If you take the blue pill, it's going to open your eyes up to everything, and you are not going to be able to unsee or to deprogram your brain again. Yeah. So it's just like the blue pill, but now you can see it. You're almost going to want to unsee it, yeah? So, and now there's someone else within uh, Neo's team who also took this decision, but decided, God, this blue pill life is rubbish, yeah? <laughs> Attach me back to the Matrix, yeah? He's like, just put me back in the Matrix, you know? Because uh, I just don't want to know all these things. So with, with orthodontists, with specialist orthodontists, you know, they've taken the blue pill, yeah, they can't unsee it. So unfortunately, when the patient's in the chair, even though you've had that chat with them, uh, oh, yeah, don't worry, this is going to take nine months, we're going to do this, then this and this, you know, you cannot bring yourself to leave them with a deep bite, you cannot bring yourself to accept you know, poor interdigitation on a certain area or a tooth that's slightly slanted or a slight black triangle. You just cannot do it. And it doesn't matter how much you try, how much you look at your bank balance and think, oh, my God, I, you know, I need to just re start reducing my appointment times and start just, you know, debonding X, Y and Z cases. They want to be debonded. I'm only treating myself, God damn it. You know, you can't stop. Yeah, because you've taken the blue pill. And I'm sorry, you can't uh, reattach yourself to the matrix. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and it's this is amazing. Gosh, honestly, this analogy is just because because I totally agree with you. Having done a, a diploma in orthodontics, wow. I mean, that's what, exactly how I feel. Just, just summed up how I feel because now when I come to seeing treatments, I mean, yes, I still compromise. I still compromise on midlines. I still do all these things, but I'm so much more aware of it. And I have that feeling that, oh, I can't, I can't unsee it. You're so right. I can't unsee it. And it's the same with endodontics. It's the same with endodontics. The more endo you learn, right, and the, the more protocols, you start using your 10% ED, uh, EDTA or 17% EDTA because you want to get rid of the, the, you know, open up the tubules and whatnot. When you start doing this part of the protocol, when you start sterilizing your GP points, you can't go back to, to not doing it. You can't go back to not using EDTA. You can't go back to, to not uh, following the full protocol because it feels like you're cheating. It feels like it feels wrong. It feels wrong inside and you feel like you're not doing the best of your ability. Uh, wow, that is uh, really powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel dirty, right? You're like, yes, oh, God, I'm just wrong. I never felt it uh, as much with anything as with ortho uh, endodontics. Endo is the first thing that came to my mind. Oh my God, that's exactly how I felt about endo. The more I learned, I couldn't unlearn it. I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't then do my endos in 45 minutes. I couldn't. Now they take me for molars, take me at least two, two and a half hours in over two appointments. Okay. Whereas before I could easily do it in an hour. But what's the difference? 
I, I now see all these things which I didn't see before and I can't bring myself to do it more profitably. I can't because it has to be done right. Wow, that is amazing. That's it. It's true, Jazz. You know, and there's that analogy, isn't, isn't there? You, you know, you can't treat what you can't see. Yeah. But I would say, you know, once you see it, you cannot unsee it and you cannot help but treat it. You are going to treat it because you've seen it, you know, and you can't unsee it now. Uh, and I even, you know, it's all about rapport. I would say a large amount of my adult patients leave with very comprehensive outcomes. They, you know, invariably end up wearing their braces for longer than we planned. But you know what? Guess what? They don't complain because, you know, I would over egg how much it's going to take. Yeah. And I because I'm not there to sell them. And I would even say to them, if I wanted to sell you this treatment, I'll tell you it is going to take six months. But it's not going to take six months. It's more likely going to take this, this and this. And you know what? They're on board because they trust you. They like you. They appreciate your honesty. So loads are too many GDPs are too scared to say, look, it's going to take you this time. And, you know, one of the biggest sources of complaints in GDP orthodontics is time. Yeah. Um, is the, you promised it's yeah, going to yeah, take yeah. six months. Now, why have you promised it's going to take six months? Because it's in the name of the system you use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so. I, I like the way you put it, and that's a just a communication gem right there. That you know, uh, it's a great way to put it. If I were to sell you this treatment, I would say it's this month, but it's not. I, I just really like that yeah. one line. I just think everyone should use it. I think I, th- yeah. I think it's great. Jazz, I use that all the time. I, I, I like that but you're gonna hate me for one thing i say to my patients gosh you're gonna hate me i'm sorry okay i <laughs> Go on. I, I i say i say orthodontists are like builders okay they'll tell you it takes <laughs> 15 months it'll really take two years i say that all the time and they <laughs> oh all have, we all have a bit of a laugh right <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love that. That is so funny. That's very, very funny. Oh. You know, because we're recording this around the dentinal tubules um, orthodontic month, yeah. Which actually you've hijacked because you've thrown in a bit of an occlusion kind of <laughs> day in there, just like randomly in there. Yeah? Uh, but the funny thing is, right? You know, Drew was all right. It's got to be forty-five minutes. You know, and I was thinking exactly like you've said, but not in the way you said it. I was thinking. <laughs> You know, you tell orthodontists to do something for 45 minutes, it's going to, each of them is going to deliver a two hour lecture. And that's what it's been like. like oh my God. I'm like, some of them have come back from work. I work late, late on Mondays. I've not been able to log on. So I, I go on about, you know, half nine and think, oh God, let me watch the replay. It's still ongoing. It's like, what? Man? It's like their treatments. It's like, bloody hell, it's taking five months. So you, in a way, Jazz, you're not wrong with your analogy, which is why it's funny. Most things are, that are funny are true. So, you know, I like that. That's, you know, that's But that's not to, to be dismissive of orthodontics. It's just something to, 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 to laugh about itself. It's nothing in that way at all. But, but gosh, we're coming to the end of our time. And uh, thank you so much yeah. for, for sharing all those things. Can you just because like, people will listen to this. And I think I, I really enjoy talking to you. And people will listen to this and watch this and think, wow, I, I like this Goss guy. I like the way he sees the world. Um Tell us how they can find you. Tell us a bit about your, your course. Is it online? Is it in person? How is it going with COVID and what and whatnot? Yes. So, I mean, I'm, I've had quite a few GDPs reach out to me uh, via social media. So if anyone wants any advice on anything, just reach out and I would share, you know, anything. I'm quite open. I just think, you know, um, part of my gripe with orthodontics um, in general 
uh, is there's a real lack of leadership, especially with GDP orthodontics. Yeah. So I think, you know, specialists need to take a little bit more of the lead. Yeah. But we're all busy trying to live our own lives and we're having contract issues and this, that and the other. But, you know, so it's uh, sometimes it's priority is quite low. But I think, you know, connecting with your colleagues is important. Yeah. Treating them as uh, colleagues, not competitors is really important. Uh, so I have that kind of attitude. So just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I'm not on any other sort I'll, of. I'll put, I'll put the links. I'll put the links in the in the show notes on protrusive.co.uk and also on the Facebook group. So I'll put I'll put all that there uh, to contact you. But uh, your course are you uh, doing another one next year or is it all fully booked or is it uh, how is it with COVID? It's just I don't I don't get it. Yeah, so it was tough, you know, because I wrote it. It was intended to be under normal circumstances, you know, a real face-to-face, you know, course. Uh, but we've adapted it uh, to be a bit more blended. So it's delivered, you know, over 18 months. There's quite a few uh, lectures given over webinar. Um, there's a lot of online uh, videos which are just I'm constantly updating, so loads of clinical videos, uh, treatment discussions. Uh, so we've structured it in that way. Uh, and then obviously there's the practical components where we meet and we do a lot of typodont uh, treatments. And there's a clinical element as well, where over four sessions they could come to the practice. Uh, and if they feel confident, either treat patients or that is you know, cool. observe. Um, so yeah, so which is why it's just very small groups. Yeah, so it's just I only take two groups on a year of eight. So so I take eight on in April. So in April, you know, I've got eight spaces, four have already gone. Um, and then I take on a second group in September. Uh, so we just do April, September, keep it small. You know, I'm never going to be like one of these big uh, academies or big kind of you know teaching institutes or whatever because i think to to teach orthodontics properly i think you need a mentor you need that close contact with someone um and then also for me i need to be contactable so all my delegates you know I, they can contact me and then i can respond straight away um and just guide them through the process and i hugely enjoy it uh and the reason we've done so I run it with my wife, who's all she's got an MSc in orthodontics, uh, and she was the inspiration behind it actually, because you know she, I won't tell you where she did her MSc, but the you know the process and the teaching was just horrendous in a way that it was very scientifically driven. There wasn't much in um, terms of mentoring or um, treatment planning or practical skills and I thought you can go you can get an MSc and you could literally not have any of those skills and still get one that's just I was like right I need to do my own you know we need to do a course you know awesome. and put it together so she helps me in a way that you know she she thinks differently to me so she knows she'll say something like a practical aspect oh you need to teach them how to do this this and this because you forget when things are second nature to you you forget how it was like when you didn't know any of those things yeah so she comes she is a bit more fresh in that way and says look i struggled learning how to do this so if you teach them how to do it this way 
and be descriptive about this, they'll learn X, Y, and Z. So that, you know, that reminded me of the first time I put power chain on. I'm like, wait, am I am I doing it right? Like, you, you know, and, and and like you know, you you guys think, yeah. what the hell this is easy? But or first time doing you know, any simple thing that you can think of, right? Uh, and it, it, it's it's so I'm, it's great that you have that input uh, from for, you know from your wife, and and it's it's great because it's so easy once you become uh, efficient and proficient at something to to forget the struggles of the learner. And the learner will struggle with so much more basic things than you ever thought. And it's, it's nice to be grounded in a way and think, hey, I can simplify something, but actually make it exponentially more valuable. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you, Jazz. And, you know, within that eight, you know, within eight people, I'll have three who are hugely experienced, yeah, who have actually done other courses already, you know. So this might be like, the, you know, another diploma that they're doing just because, you know, they want whatever we're offering. Um, and then I'll have, you know, another three that I've done nothing and then everyone else sits in the middle. So it's sometimes hard if you had a bigger group to tailor to all those things, to all those sorts of types of knowledge. But I think if you pitch things to the people who know nothing and simplify it, even the people who think they know loads, you know, get loads out of it. Yeah, because it's just another way of doing it. So they might say, oh, I've never thought about doing it like that. So, you know, and I'm full of, uh, you know, breaking things down clinically, like trying to make things easy. I'd share any kind of pearl, you know, like how to do certain things, whether it's attachments, IPR, putting retractors on, using this type of retractor for this patient, you know, just making things easy clinically. Um, how to put a fixed retainer on, right? Yeah. So, you know, how to do all those things, but also, you know, in the real world, how to keep your costs down, how to be efficient, clinically efficient, how to have protocols in place, how to then present cases to patients, how to take good consent, um, you know, how to put the patient first. If your three consent analogy is anything to go by, then I'm sure you absolutely smash that. So, yeah. uh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed your teachings today. Uh, Goss, your the way you explain things, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I love the fact that you do, you're not afraid to become a little bit controversial because I think that's going to make for a really lovely. I'm expecting loads of messages of oh my god, Goss just blew our mind because this is it's really fun chat. I mean, wow, an hour just flew right by. Um, I really appreciate you coming on today, Goss. But please send me the link for your course so I can stick it on the protrusive show notes as well, so I don't get bombarded okay. with messages. They can just go on the website and, and click on and, and find you as well. Oh, cheers, man. Thanks. Um, I've, there's a few things here that you didn't say. So you yes. didn't use the word a myriad of uses. Yeah. Really? I never knew I said that. I say that? You say that all the time. What? You didn't talk about, you didn't talk about people listening and cutting onions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. yeah. That one I, I say a lot. I agree. You say that a lot. Okay. <laughs> Gardening or cutting onions. I'm like, that's such a Punjabi thing to say. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, it's because one yeah. one listener messaged me one time say i listened to you when i chopped my onions and i was like that's, that's amazing <laughs> it's a real thing so that's why i just i just imagine people just listening chopping the onions all the time that's all that's all you guys wait, do wait. <laughs> since you said that i and now when i do chop onions i'm like i really just need to get a podcaster <laughs> oh, does it that. enhance the experience like you know like <laughs> and it did you know yeah yeah you can now justify your tears as you're listening you can justify your tears that's what it is exactly you can justify them yeah i was there crying i think it was yeah (laughs) it was was the onions it was the onions it wasn't the movement of the of the inspiration of the podcast (laughs) oh no (laughs) 
Oh, guys, thank you so much for a fun little burst at the end as well. Uh, thank you so much. And guys, uh, check out Goss on, on all the social platforms and I'll, I'll stick the, uh, the show notes on the website as well. Goss, thank you so much. Cheers, mate. There we have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that really entertaining content with Mandeep Gossel. Uh, Goss, thanks so much for coming on to make such a fun episode. I think I really appreciate exactly where you're coming from and I really respect you as a specialist in terms of how you work alongside and how you educate general dentists. It's, it's really awesome. So um, more power to you, my friend. Guys, thanks so much. And next episode will be about retention, all about your, your niggling queries and retention. In fact, on the Protrusive Dental Community Facebook group, some months ago when I was recording this episode, I asked you what you wanted to ask Dr. Angela Olak, and you guys had sent me some questions through. So your questions will be answered and the most important things about making sure that the retention is on point. So I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.